The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here's your top five at five. Higher than expected new comments from one Fed head raising the near-term risk for stocks as we all await Jay Powell later today. The buyback, blowback risk is rising. This after yet another oil giant posting record profits and some new shareholder rewards. The AI race heating up, a trio of developments overnight that has investors running to the sector leaders. Plus, an 11th hour funding deal reportedly secured the Bed Bath & Beyond out of bankruptcy court, at least for now. And paying up for the best seats. Why your next trip to the movies is about to get a bit more expensive. It is Tuesday, February 7th. And this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome, as always, from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan, and it is going to be back with you after a couple of days off. Good Tuesday morning. It's exactly 5 a.m. All right, let's jump right in on this State of the Union Tuesday. Remember, the president will speak tonight and take a look at your stock futures. And we are seeing some green across the screen. Dow 27, NASDAQ popping back more. It's up 50. Now, all this after a mostly lower session that saw the Dow close down for a third straight day in the bond market. Yields are still kind of sitting right there where they've been for a while. About 3.6 percent has been really, really quiet in bonds for going on months now. After that huge move last year, bonds have kind of been sitting around for about six months. We'll see if that changes. Maybe with Jay Powell's talk today in energy, oil coming off a nearly 1 percent gain, but did hit its lowest level since mid-December. This morning, we are up a touch, just under 2 percent. And Brent crude, about the same for WTI. By the way, natural gas is just still under two and a half bucks. And with the exception of a recent couple of day cold blast that we've had recently, there's basically been no winter on most of the East Coast this year. It's going to be nearly 60 degrees in New York City in part of this week. Why are we talking about the weather? Well, when it's not really cold, demand for heat goes down, which means demand for natural gas tends to go down as well. Freeport LNG still offline. So just way too much natural gas. And that's why prices have, I, I don't think crashed is too strong of a word, but still under 2.5%. All right, sticking with energy, by the way, got to check out shares of BP. They posted a record profit this morning of $27.7 billion for all of last year. And they unveiled a new $2.75 billion stock buyback plan. Of course, far smaller than what we have seen from ExxonMobil and Chevron. But BP also, like them, boosting their dividend by 10%. We will have more on energy stocks a bit later on in the program. But right now, why don't we move on and go around the world? A mixed picture in Asia overnight on a macro level. Two markets up, one down. Japan was down. I mean, oh, very fractionally, 0.03%. One name to watch, though, in Japan, SoftBank. SoftBank, the global investment company, out with earnings just hours ago. Its flagship investment arm called the Vision Fund posting a fourth straight quarterly loss, this time about $5 billion. 
They overall also reported a net loss after posting a profit in their third quarter. It stocked down a touch off about 1%. Let's check around the world and Europe as well. And we are seeing stocks mostly higher across the board, led by the U.K. The U.K. market up just about one half of 1%. Germany just turned negative. But again, it's like Japan. It's, it's basically going back and forth between unchanged or so whatever. There you go. U.K. up one half of 1%. All right, there are your markets. Now let's hit some of the key headlines that are happening now, including a hat trick on artificial intelligence, the last-second lifeline for one major retailer. Pippa Stevens is here now with those. Good morning, Pippa. Good morning, Brian. Well, following in the footsteps of the Fed, the ECB, and the Bank of England, the Reserve Bank of Australia overnight raising its benchmark interest rate by 25 basis points to a 10-year high. This says the country's inflation rate continues to hover near 8 percent. That's the highest since 1990. And Google revealing plans to launch a chatbot rival to OpenAI's ChatGPT, the wildly popular AI backed by Microsoft. In an internal memo to staff seen by CNBC, CEO Sundar Pichai says he's going to need, quote, all hands on deck to internally test BARD, as it's known. This as Microsoft is planning its own unveil event today, which insiders expect to be related to chat GPT. And there's more. Around the world, shares of Chinese search giant Baidu surged to a near one-year high as it revealed its own plans to launch its own chat GPT Ernie bot this March. And lastly, Bed Bath & Beyond securing an 11th hour cash infusion that will allow it, at least for now, to avoid a bankruptcy filing. According to multiple reports, the plan is to issue convertible preferred securities and warrants that could ultimately raise more than $1 billion. That's stock down 31% right now, Brian. And the stock was halted at some point yesterday, Pippa, and then it was it more than doubled. I mean, this is a trader favorite stock, and maybe some people guessed correctly because uh, that lifeline could keep them going for a while. Pippa Stevens. Thank you very much. Wow. Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, who'd have thunk it? Bed Bath & Beyond becoming the trader favorite stock. It's the new GameStop in some ways, if you will. All right, we'll get more with Pippa in just a few minutes. Right now, though, back to your broader markets and investors with a new cause for concern. And what, of, of course, it's all about the Federal Reserve. Late yesterday, Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic highlighting Friday's blowout jobs number, saying the central bank may have to raise rates even more than they already have to try to cool inflation. This comes ahead of new commentary from Fed Chair Jay Powell, who will speak at the Economic Club in Washington, D.C. this afternoon. That certainly could be a market mover. Joining us now to talk about it all is Bill Stone, Chief Investment Officer of the Glenview Trust Company. Bill, uh, my guess is you're not going to come on and say, OK, sell everything, put 100 percent of your assets in Bed Bath & Beyond. I, I'm guessing that's not what you're going to say. So what are you going to say? What are you advising your clients to do after what was a pretty red hot start to the year for stocks? Yeah, I mean, I think it, stay the course, but I think be mindful that uh, we may not be through all the volatility. You know, we certainly, you know, here's where it gets difficult. You know, I uh, the payrolls number certainly changed my math on, you know, bringing down some of the odds of recession. Didn't change that. Still think it's going to happen. It's just. Um, you know, makes me less sure of that call. Um, so you've gotten a lot of the growthier stocks repriced quite a bit, you know, that 7% move in the S&P, and obviously much higher on a lot of the growth side of the equation. Um, 
it's unclear whether we get that soft landing or not. Um, certainly the market thinks inflation is going to get taken care of eventually. Um, maybe a soft landing, at least partially priced in there. So when better news is priced in, you do have to be a little more careful, I think. Yeah, Goldman Sachs reducing its recession odds down to 25%. That jobs number certainly helping as well. But you know, we just keep hearing layoffs, layoffs, layoffs. Maybe we're going to have, you know, sort of peak earnings and everything, but energy and a few other select sectors as well. I don't know about you, Bill, but you know, I've been doing this 20, I'm getting old, I guess. Been doing it a while. How about that? I'm not sure I've had a year where I've had less visibility about what may happen with the American economy. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I got to say, I was, uh, I felt quite sure of myself uh, last year that, you know, with the yield curve inversion and everything else, or pretty much every yield curve inverting, uh, that you were highly likely to see a recession. I still think by the way, odd, my odds higher than Goldman. Um, but that being said, you're right. You've just got this undercurrent where if jobs are going to hold in, what we do know is, you know, I'll give the, the bold case around it, which is if jobs hold in, frankly, you know, 80% of this economy is the U.S. consumer. The U.S. consumer continues to spend we do not have to go into recession. There's no law that says it. So I get that. It's, it's just, yeah. you know, obviously, in, and you can look around in the economy. I can find you a piece like housing that looks like a mess, although, honestly, a little bit of bouncing seen in that recently. Yeah. Uh, again, off a, off a big low, though. Yeah, housing is held up in many areas, particularly like in the D.C. area, which, of course, tends to prosper anyway, better than many have expected. Very quickly, Bill, though, with, with that sort of lack of visibility, is it fair to pay about 17 and a half to 18 times forward earnings for the S&P 500? Does that seem like the right multiple to you? Because if it's not, it means stocks may, may need to go down or earnings may need to go up. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, the again, maybe I'll, I'll put bad news as good news. We've continued to see earnings estimates kind of slashed for 2023. Um but then, you know, obviously that gives you a chance to maybe get over that or go higher than that if we actually do get the soft landing. I think the second part is a lot of that valuation is concentrated in a, a small number of stocks. So you could find, you know, particularly if you go into yep. the smaller caps, extremely cheap stocks now. Small caps, the place to be, you think? I think so. I think they're relatively inexpensive. Okay. Uh, and, and if we get a soft landing, they will particularly be strong. Yeah, very domestic-based company. Nearly all the revenue from the, the Russell 2000 comes from the U.S. or at least North America. We're watching the small caps. Go America, by the way. Eagle <laughs> on the shoulder, Bill Stone. Appreciate it, my friend. Have a great Thank day. You. Thanks for getting up early. All right, we are just getting started here on WEX. When we come back, another one bites the dust in the struggling Internet ad sector. But one stock still does shine. We'll talk about it. Plus, much more on BP's blowout report this morning and the rising risk a buyback blowback. Later on, forget about the EV car pricing wars. The new salvo Mercedes-Benz just fired when it comes to the electric van wars. A very busy hour still ahead when Wex returns right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich 
is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back and good Tuesday morning. Investors getting another look at the internet advertising space. And in the wake of really mixed reports out of Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, and Snapchat, this morning another key player, Pinterest, is seeing its shares fall by about 4%. Not as much now. They were down now down just about 3.5%. This after sales disappointed. Guidance was not great. Pinterest management echoing similar sentiment when it comes to the digital ad space as some of their rivals. So what exactly does it all mean? Joining us now to kind of piece the puzzle together is Erite Research Senior Analyst Rocco Strauss. Rocco, good to have you on nice and early this morning. Uh, what is your takeaway from Pinterest and, and their quarter? What should investors focus on the most? Yeah, good morning, Brian. Um, I mean, let, let me draw a bigger picture here. Um, when we spoke last back in November, I think we did put out our 2023 target um, of the digital ad market to decline 8% uh, in 2023. And now that MetaSnap, Pins, Google and Amazon have reported, we see a very consistent picture in which retail media and CTV um, and video are outperforming. And you saw that with uh, shopping ads on Pins yesterday growing 50% year over year. Amazon is still growing its retail media on platform business uh, by roughly 20% and so on. And while brand advertising is already in retreat, Snap flagged um, that part of the business down by roughly 11% in fourth quarter. And if you do the math on Pinterest, uh, also Pin saw a similar decline in its brand business. And that makes a lot of sense as in an early recessionary environment, brand spend generally gets cut before you feel the pain on the, on the performance side. But let's look ahead and focus on like the three main reasons of a declining ad market here. We see a rise yeah. in video inventory across all platforms driven by Reels, YouTube Shorts, uh, an uptick in video on pins. But what is consistent across all platforms is an increase of impressions significantly ahead of user growth. And with overall flat engagement or time spent, that means users will feel a significant increase um, on ad loads. And that is likely not repeatable um, and will hit some kind of ceiling into 2023. The second obstacle um, is, there, is the like Rocco, let me let me sorry, yeah. my man. Let me jump in. Let me jump in a little bit. Got a lot going on. It's early. Our viewer, a lot of our viewers kind of just waking up. Not like you and I. We've been up for hours, right? Chugging coffee. But let, let's talk about this. Pinterest was a $26 stock a year ago. It's a $26 stock now, so it's kind of like a bologna sandwich. Just you, if you have to eat it, it's fine, but you're not going to probably enjoy it. Is there any reason to own the stock? Yeah. Um, I mean, Google and Pinterest are two top picks in the, in the advertising space. I mean, Google is, is easier to understand. I mean, you have more option value um, beyond advertising with subscriptions and cloud and so on. Um, but we still believe that Pins kind of like is a special situation as we are kind of like expecting um, a deal either with Google's, Google's AdWords business um, or with, for example, Coteo's retail media business uh, to create further demand on the platform, likely being imminent, um, as that is kind of like the signature that Bill Reddy also had when he uh, was head of shopping at Google. Um, and once that materializes, you will significantly increase the demand on the platform, likely by tenfold or so. Um, and that kind of like makes Pins the top pick even into a recessionary environment moving, um, moving into the second half of 2023. 
Wow, a lot of optimism on Pinterest there as well. But if we have to own somebody, maybe there's Pinterest, and you also have a buy on Alphabet, correct? Because I guess if you're going to own somebody, you might as well own the big dog in the space, and that is Google. That, that's that's correct, because um, especially AdWords is, uh, is especially resilient, um, even into recessionary environments, um, as it's sticky and, um, and, and companies still want to be found. I think if, if I can men- mention one more thing, I think what's, what's a bit overlooked by, um, by the market um, is also the inflationary impact that we're going to see at some point um, into the later half of this year. Because we think backwards, inflation plateaued in second half, uh, in second quarter and third quarter of last year. Um, and with inflation now falling, um, that effect won't repeat into uh, second half of 2023, which means the artificial growth in ad dollars that you saw by um, higher input costs being passed on to consumers is not happening again. And yep. that creates a drag. Um, therefore, focus on the big dog, which is Google, and focus on pins, which is a special situation stock. Pins and Google, we love it. Rocco Strauss, always bringing the heat, and we appreciate you getting up early, Rocco. Have a great day. Be well. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. All right. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. On deck. The countdown is on to the Super Bowl. Let's go, Eagles. But it's not all about the Eagles. Go, Eagles. Or the Chiefs. Contessa Brewer is here on what could be the real winner on Sunday. We're always a winner when Contessa is on Worldwide Exchange. We're back right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody. I'm going to break some news for you right now. The Super Bowl is Sunday. The game starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Now, the Eagles are the slight favorites to win with the betting line right now in Vegas, right around the Eagles minus one and a half. So why are we telling you this? Because the big winner on Sunday, well, it'll be one of the teams, but more likely it's going to be the sports betting companies with more Americans than ever planning to bet big bucks on the game. Let's bring in big bucks Contessa Brewer getting a first look at the money that is at stake, Contessa, I got to imagine there's like a lot of a lot of commas in some of these numbers. I mean, what we're talking about here is remarkable because we're setting a record. First of all, it'll be the first time the Super Bowl is played in a state where sports betting is legal. One in five American adults say they will bet on the Super Bowl. That's according to a survey that has just been released from the American Gaming Association. And it shows a record. 50.4 million Americans plan to gamble on the game. That's a 61% increase from last year. And the handle on the game, that is how much is wagered, survey says 16 billion, double what we heard last year. Those numbers include not just people betting with sports books, but also office pools and fun bet with friends. 50% more people this year than last say they will do some social betting. That's likely growing, Brian, because people are back in the office. So they've got those boxes to pass around or they're going back to parties. As for the sports books, the Super Bowl provides an incredible opportunity for exposure to the occasional sports fan. Market leaders FanDuel with 45% national market share 
followed by DraftKings and BetMGM, are looking to circle the wagons here. Then you've got Caesars, Penn, Bally's, and many, many others looking for opportunities to grow their customer base. Sports betting as an industry is quite exciting. Certainly, we've seen incredible growth over the last five years in the industry, but the adjacency around the industry is also important. Every stadium is now wired with 5G. We have geolocation servicing companies that help in expand the reach of the industry. And so um, there it isn't and in fintech and mobility are all elements to sports betting that have really exploded in the last five years. The NFL, too, benefits from the expansion of legalized gambling. The AGA survey shows that 34 percent of those surveyed say legal gambling has made it more enjoyable to watch the football game. And America, as you point out, Brian, has its money on the Eagles. They are the one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Chiefs, though the AGA survey showed the respondents evenly split over which team they'll bet on. Well, obviously, that's how it's supposed to be, right, Contessa? I mean, ultimately, the betting companies don't care necessarily who wins. They want to make sure that money is pretty much right down the middle, and, and then the, they'll, they'll take their cut. Now, what's amazing to our viewers, and I want to go be a little more serious here, because you know I like sports gambling. I was posting my bets online for informational purposes only, and I'm proud to say I did pretty well. But you can bet, if you have your phone and you're on one of these apps, you can bet on thousands of things in-game betting. Is there going to be a fumble this quarter? Who's going right. to throw the most touchdowns? Who's gonna, like, you can get addicted to sports gambling. I mean, it, I could see it being very easy. It's a button away. What steps, if any, are being taken to try to promote responsible gambling? Because it is, I mean, you could could get hooked on this. Yeah, well, in every state, there are regulations concerning responsible gaming. And that these uh, legal sports books must offer, by law, the tools for responsible gaming. So if you go on your phone, you can make a plan ahead of time to decide how much you can afford to gamble and then and stick to that. And by the way... Not only the industry, not only the sports books, but also the NFL is partnering on that front. And the NFL told CNBC that it takes it very seriously and is is heading to promote this planning ahead for the amount of money that you want to spend on what they hope you will consider just entertainment to make the viewing of the football game more enjoyable. But on that note, they say they are going to limit the number of ads it's ex- uh, accepted for sports books for that very reason, so that it's not clocking everybody over the head with sports gambling. Yeah, and then on, on a different side, I think some of my all my friends are Eagles fans. Go Eagles, by the way. I think I said that. And all like somebody them. was saying the seats were like six like six thousand all one of my friends. Six thousand <laughs> for like the worst seat in the house or something like that for I the, mean, for it's the good Super to be Bowl part of the one percent. That's all I'm saying. Well, I hope, Contessa, you're down on the sidelines in all your Eagles gear. Contessa Brewer, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, as we head to break, we are watching shares of Chegg. All right, Chegg is an online learning company, and shares are getting a big fat F right now. They're down 23%. Results for weak. Guidance not any better. The company citing economic uncertainties and subscriber growth concerns. Remember, the kids are, thankfully, Back in school, after some in many states missed more than a full year from the classroom. Rooting for the kids here. Certainly, they got a long way to go to make it up. Chegg down 23%. And we're back right after this.
Get ready for even more Fed speak because Jay Powell could move markets again when he speaks later today. Lee Baker is here to break it down. A banner year for BP as it jumps on the share buyback wagon. But tonight, President Biden expected to bash buybacks in his State of the Union. And Facebook facing new pressure from D.C. as two top lawmakers raise new worries. CEO Mark Zuckerberg will tell you all about it as Worldwide Exchange rolls on right now. All right, welcome and welcome back, everybody, and good Tuesday morning. 5.30 a.m. on the East Coast, right on the nose. Thanks for being with us or listening, by the way, on our podcast later on today. So happy afternoon, I guess, if you are. Anyway, let's get right now to how markets are shaping up futures. They are a little bit higher across the board. Not a lot. We've got Dow futures up just a touch. In fact, they're up about 37 points. NASDAQ, once again, could be the star. NASDAQ futures up 56 points right now. The Dow, by the way, down three sessions in a row, not huge losses, still well up for the year, but overall Dow down three sessions in a row. Try to break that today. All right. Speaking of markets, now you know it has been a good start to the year, but do you know how good it has been for many investors who had the brains or maybe the guts to get into tech or a few other stocks late last year? Well, let's show you some stuff you're not going to see anywhere else. All right. First up, the NASDAQ 100, you know, the QQQ and that NASDAQ 100 index is up 14% this year. That is pretty much the exact opposite of what happened last year. Remember last year to start the year, tech got destroyed in January and February. This year, completely flipped. Check out some of these stats that we put together just for you, loyal viewer and listener. 65 stocks in the NASDAQ 100 are up more than 5% this year. 23 of those have gained by more than 20%, and five stocks have boomed by more than 50% since January 1st. And who are all these stars? All right, here you go. In the, what are we going to call it, the up 50% or more club this year? Well, Meta, Facebook, up 55%. Tesla, 58%. Warner Brothers Discovery, 63%. Align Technology, up 62%. And electric car maker Lucid says, hold my beer. They're up 75% this year. Now, haha. <laughs> Many of these names were the same ones that got crushed last year. So if you bought them a year ago, you may still be down. If you had the, I don't know, the, the genius to time it, you made a lot of money. Really almost a complete inversion from last year. Oh, by the way, in the boring, I'm doing air quotes, old Dow Jones index, both Salesforce and even Disney are also up more than 20% this year. Bottom line, but a pretty doggone good start to most stocks in 20. 23. All right, more on markets in a bit. Right now, let's get back to some of the key headlines you need to know about on this Tuesday. Pippa Stevens is back with those. Pippa. Hello again, Brian. Well, Facebook and Instagram parent meta platforms once again under pressure from lawmakers. This time, it's Senate Intel Committee members Mark Warner and Marco Rubio. The two sending a letter to Mark Zuckerberg late yesterday, raising concern that developers in Russia, North Korea and China could have access to user data. The senators adding they've held discussions with meta executives to learn more about who exactly could access the data and what Facebook plans to do about it. And the New York Stock Exchange plans to make some investors whole following last month's trading glitch, but only if their trades fit certain parameters. The exchange operator telling clients it plans to cover all losses for orders posted or routed to the NICE, while losing trades on other venues will not be covered. 
The reimbursement, which will range in the single-digit millions, is far more than the $500,000 the exchange sets aside each month to cover disruptions. And CVS Health is reportedly nearing a deal to buy primary care operator Oak Street Health for $10.5 billion, including debt. According to the Wall Street Journal, the deal is expected to be official as soon as this week. Shares of Oak Street surging on the news ahead of the open, up 36 percent. Brian, a lot of big movers today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, if you, if you, I don't know, had the, the wherewithal to own Oak Street going into last night, take the family to dinner tonight. Yeah, timing made is everything. <laughs> That's it in life and in stocks. Pippa <laughs> Stevens, thank you very much. All right, now to one of the big money movers of the morning, and that is BP, the energy company posting a record annual profit of $28 billion. BP also hiking its dividend 10%. It will launch a nearly $3 billion stock buyback. Now, all in, the West's biggest oil companies, Exxon, Chevron, BP, and Shell, clearing more than $160 billion in combined profit last year and are handing investors back more than $80 billion through buybacks and dividends and all else. It's going to be well over 100 when all is said and done. But it's those buybacks in particular and the $75 billion announced by Chevron alone that are ruffling some feathers, shall we say, in the White House. The president says, or the White House says, the president plans to propose quadrupling the new 1% tax on buybacks during the State of the Union address tonight. With the Republican-controlled House, that is probably impossible, but he will call for it tonight in the State of the Union speech. The administration, you guessed it, specifically likely to call out energy companies in the preview for tonight's State of the Union. All right, let's talk more now about the energy sector in general with Jason Gableman, analyst at Cowan. Uh, Jason, we we can go into the fight over buybacks all we want. And, you know, the president, it's a very popular, it's very easy to sell with the American consumers. Oh, they're making all this money. They're buying back stocks instead of drilling for more oil, which I find interesting that the White House apparently wants us to drill for more oil. I didn't realize that was the focus. But either way, why aren't investors giving a little more respect to the energy companies who are just printing money? Yeah, well, uh, morning. Thanks for having me. I think in 2022, they did give a lot of respect to the companies. There's there's been a bit of a pause on that rally here, and, and I think a lot of that is related to uh, uh, probably tech's outperformance and a bit of a rotation out of energy, but we think that'll be short-lived. And uh, we agree that it's gonna be difficult to ignore uh, companies returning a lot of cash to shareholders throughout the year. So we think energy stocks will continue to work. Now, listen, you have not had a chance to publish your note on BP, so I'm not gonna ask you specifically about BP's numbers. But I will say this, if we could throw up a one-year chart of BP, yeah, you are right. The U.S. companies have gotten some respect. But a year ago, today, BP was a $36 stock or $34 stock. Today, it's a $36 stock. So it really hasn't moved that much. We're showing the European quote on the screen right now. I'm looking at the, the ADR in the U.S. It hasn't moved that much. Is that because the European companies are just under, you think the pressure here on climate change is big, they're getting crushed over there, and they're investing in projects which, which may or may not work. Can we own the European companies here? Yeah, I think there, there's a bit of a value dispersion between the EU and U.S. Co- companies, and, and the EU companies screen more cheaply 
it seems like there's an opportunity to own those names as we expect that value gap to close a bit, specifically to BP. Their strategy, uh, they've had a harder pivot towards energy transition than some of their peers. So the outlook has been a bit more muddied between what the returns are going to be moving forward, given they're investing more in uh, renewable power than peers. And uh, those returns are a bit yeah. more under question. So I think that's part of the reason the stock maybe hasn't performed as well as some others. Um, but today, yeah, this morning, they announced. Oh, sorry. No, no, my bad, Jason. I was saying for, <clears throat> for our viewers that may not understand the difference, the European majors are basically being forced to take a lot of their profits and their capital spending and put them into renewable energy product projects here. Now we're being told, take your money and drill more oil wells. And by the way, they are going to drill Exxon and Chevron. They are raising production, but there's limitations on, on labor and a lot of other different things. How long do you think these good times can last, Jason? And what is maybe the single best one or two names for our viewers and listeners to own right now? Yeah, I think 2023 is going to be another strong year. OPEC is clearly showing a desire to manage oil prices, protect to the downside. We saw that with OPEC proactively cutting. Um, and listen, uh, you know, $50 is the new $75 for oil prices, meaning companies used to need $75 to cover their dividend outlays, and now they only need $50. So you don't really need to worry about the dividend being cut um, and on the flip side, the dividend for these companies will continue to grow. We think Chevron and Shell uh, are two names that, that investors can own that, that have upside through 2023. Jason Gableman, really appreciate it. We'll let you get to work back on that uh, BP note, but more record profits. I'm sure that'll, that'll thrill a lot of people in D.C. Jason, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, coming up, it is your morning RBI, and we're going to get random but interesting on what you think is the biggest problem facing America right now, and it may surprise you. Plus, forget the EV price war. Mercedes is fighting another all-electric battle. Phil live in Ladson, South Carolina, wherever that is, with the exclusive unveil. Phil. <laughs> Ryan, it is right outside of Charleston, and when you talk about the EV race heating up, it's the commercial van market. That's where all the focus is, and right down there, that's the new e-sprinter from Mercedes. We will show it to you first, live on Worldwide Exchange, right after this. All right, time now for your morning RBI, the most random but interesting thing you may hear all day, CNBC style, and tonight... The president will give his annual State of the Union speech. And while we don't know exactly what President Biden will say, it would seem pretty obvious he's going to take a victory lap around the economy and the jobs market. But, of course, there are still a lot of issues and problems in America. Millions of kids set education back being for years after being locked out of schools, mental health issues, fentanyl, et cetera, to name a few. But overall, what do you think is critical for America right now. Well, Gallup recently did a poll on just that, and the answers were a bit surprising. All right, look at this. Gallup surveyed Americans and asked this, quote, what do you think is the most important problem facing America right now? Pretty big question. Well, 21% of respondents said the biggest problem was government itself. What, if we have the other graphic, folks. 
One in five said it is the government that needs the most fixing right now. And that is up 6% since the previous poll. What came next on that list? Inflation. 15% of people saying it is still a major problem because while we have seen some headline inflation, meaning the numbers the government puts out on paper come down a bit, most of you probably realize that every day that costs are much higher for things like housing, food, energy, car and health insurance, and a lot else. All right, third on the list, immigration. More than one in 10 of you saying immigration is the biggest problem in America right now. Even so, will we hear a lot about that tonight? Hard to say, probably not. And then the top five list rounded out with economy in general and unifying the nation as the biggest problems in America right now. Pretty interesting list and survey from Gallup. People are not happy with the government. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what they meant by just government, but both parties adding trillions in new debt to our kids and our grandkids and at higher rates, by the way, that's going to cost a lot more money to service. Also, I thought what stuck out to me was that COVID was not on the list at all. Anything under 4% of respondents was not on the list, and it did not make the list at all. Still gets a lot of headlines, as it should. We still got work to do. People are still in the hospital suffering. But it was not even on the top 10 list of things or problems in America right now. Certainly random but interesting. So how would you answer the same question if we asked you what's the biggest problem in America right now? Seems like maybe a good time for a Twitter or a LinkedIn poll on just that. All right, we'll see. All right, now let's get to Phil LeBeau. He has got a giant debut right here on Worldwide Exchange down in South Carolina. I love this kind of stuff. Phil LeBeau, take it away. Brian, it is not often we get to unveil a brand new vehicle, but check this out. This is the new Mercedes E-Sprinter. You know the Sprinter because you see it in your neighborhood, delivery services, bringing last mile packages, etc. Nicolette Lambrex, who is the head of Mercedes Vans USA in the uh, passenger seat there. This goes into production in the second half of this year. Range of about 250 miles. Why is this important? Check out the commercial van market. It is highly competitive also highly lucrative for the automakers who are playing in that market. The leader has been for some time is Ford. But when you take a look at this list, Mercedes at number four, just under just over 16 percent market share. But they believe there's so much demand out there right now for electric commercial vehicles that this e-sprinter will do very well. I really think that there is a change in the industry towards the, looking at the commercial vehicle and transforming that to electric. If we want to really focus on the future and the sustainability. As you take a look at shares of Mercedes-Benz, keep in mind that the company will be reporting its full-year results next week. It's quickly electrifying its entire fleet of vehicles. And a big part of that, a big part of that move here in the United States is with commercial vehicles. The e-Sprinter, that's the next leg of their growth when it comes to electric vehicles in this country, Brian. And you're seeing it for the first time. We will see this out on the roads around the country later this year, early next year. It goes into production later this year here, just outside of Charleston. I feel, you know, first off, Charleston, as we know, Phil, is one of the most spectacular cities in America, if not the world. I hope you got a chance to go to Halls, maybe have a nice steak last night. <laughs> you need to get a second home in Charleston, Phil. I mean, with between Boeing and Volvo and now Mercedes-Benz, BMW, you know, all these things. Can they find the workers? I mean, that, that's got to be one of the, the hottest job markets in America right now. 
oh, there, there has been huge growth in skilled labor in this area. And we were down here when they first opened this Mercedes plant, and I think they had little over 100 employees. They now have 1,600. I mean, this is a far different campus now than it was in the late 90s, continues to grow. And that's really what we're seeing in this area down here. Manufacturing has taken off. They believe the e-sprinter will do very well. They're very optimistic about production growing over time. Yeah, you know, we talked about the energy crisis in Europe, Phil. It's, It's so expensive to make stuff there. You know, all the input costs, everything else. I got to imagine that, that, that the U.S. and these workers down there, are, they can be very cost competitive. Yes, absolutely. They, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think they could be cost competitive. They'll also be building the e-sprinter in Europe as well as here. But for the U.S. market, it's a huge market. It's about 3% of overall sales are commercial vans. They believe they've got to grow production, and that's why we're showing you two for the first time here on Worldwide Exchange yeah. in the U.S. And we appreciate it. And by the way, Phil, I can't picture you as like a going to the arcade kind of kid. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I did. I was a nerd, and I got a serious Cubert vibe going on with that paint scheme. And if you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you're of a certain age. I think he yes. knows. I, I know think what Phil you're talking knows about. <laughs> You know, look at that. Move aside, Phil. We got to see that paint scheme on, the, on, that, uh, on that van. It's fantastic. I might do that on my personal ride here. Am I right, folks? A little Q-Bird action <laughs> on the E-Sprinter van. Phil Lebeau, really appreciate it. We'll see you all day here. All right, good stuff. All right, as we head to break, during February, we are celebrating Black Heritage through some of the stories of our CNBC friends, teammates, contributors, and leaders in business. And here is CNBC senior field producer, Bria Cousins. I'm the product of a black mom who was born in the South and raised in the Midwest, and an Afro-Latino dad who immigrated to this country from Panama with big dreams and an even bigger determination to fulfill them. I'm the living example of the rich and diverse landscape that is black heritage and culture in this country. We share a common bond of our lived experiences in the United States, and especially our commitment to making sure that the generations that come after us have more opportunities than we did. All right, time now for your Wex Wrap-Up. Six stories you might have missed. We close in on the 6 o'clock hour. Here we go. Atlanta Fed Governor Rafael Bostic saying the January jobs number raises the possibility the Fed will need to raise rates to a higher peak than initially expected. Meantime, the Reserve Bank of Australia overnight raising its benchmark interest rate by one quarter of 1%. That's now at a 10-year high. Australia's inflation rate continues to hover at its highest level since 1990. The death toll from that awful earthquake in Turkey and Syria has now surpassed more than 5,000 souls. Rescue efforts have been hindered by aftershocks and cold weather. Just difficult scenes to see there. Shares of Chinese search giant Baidu hitting an 11-month high overnight. It plans to launch a chat GPT rival this March. At the same time, Google has, quote, an all-hands-on-deck to test its own AI chatbot. Meantime... All you traders out there, listen up. Bed Bath & Beyond securing an 11th hour cash infusion that will allow it, at least for now, to avoid bankruptcy. According to multiple reports, the Bed Bath & Beyond plan could raise more than $1 billion. And get this, AMC Theaters is planning to unveil a plan to charge more for better seats in the theaters. AMC plans to have a new pricing tier active in all of its theaters by year end. You want a good seat? It's not about getting there early about paying up. All right, let's dive into the trading day ahead. 
see how it is shaping up. Joining us now is Lee Baker, owner and president of Apex Financial. Lee, it's, it's, a, it's another day with a Fed speaker because we have to have a Fed speaker every single day. How much are you still a- listening to the Fed every day? What? Every day you got to listen. A day without a Fed speaker is like a day without sunshine. You know, uh, we have to listen. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. I mean, we're following along. We understand this dynamic, uh, but we, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves because it does seem that they're following the data. And the fact of the matter is we don't always know what the data is going to be. You know, the jobs number from last week clearly shows that. Yeah, and and I know we have to pay attention to the Fed, and it moves the, theoretically. You know, some bonds move, but here's the here's the dirty secret, Lee, and don't tell anybody. The ten year yield is pretty much where it was six months ago. I mean, last year, it it surged, yields inverted, right? The curve inverted, stocks got crushed. Bonds have been very very stable for the better part of six or so months. What should that tell you and tell us about investing right now and where to put our money? Well, I think it tells us a couple of things. One, uh, the bond market has not changed its mind about whether or not there's likely to be a recession. And uh, even though we've seen some people dropping the odds of a recession, uh, I still think it's likely to occur uh, sometime this year. So that's the first thing. The other thing is that when we take a look at uh, bond yields and what we normally get from uh, the stock market in terms of dividends, uh, we're at about 1% uh, more uh, for dividends in the stock market. And that's a lot. Uh, that's not enough to take on the additional risk. So I think there's a couple of things that we can take uh, as a signal from the bond market and where rates are currently. All right. What do we do? What's what's something good to own right now, Lee? It's been a pretty we just had the stats, a really good start to the year. Absolutely. You know, so one of the things that I like is Tesla. Um, and for some of our clients, they were lucky from a timing perspective, uh, did not buy. Uh, at the beginning of last year, bought later into the year. So uh, that's worked out well so far. Um, but uh, one of the things we're doing is playing a little bit of defense in some sectors as well. So, uh, you know, thinking about the Super Bowl, sometimes the best offense is a good defense. And so uh, some of the pressure that Tesla's put on the rest of the market by cutting prices, uh, you want to keep an eye on who that might affect the most. Wow. The, the Tesla play there. And that's you point about timing the market, Lee. I think that you're probably better good than than lucky. But I'm also going to assume you're not going to think we're going to see like a 75 percent gain in 60 days like we just did. I mean, the momentum we've had and not only Tesla, but other that's not sustainable. Absolutely not. You know, I'd I'd love for that to be the case. And wouldn't we all? Uh, But I think the fact of the matter is uh, we've gotten a fair amount of the juice we're going to get uh, so far this year. Uh, I think things are likely to be a little choppy, uh, but for our clients who, by and large, are your longer-term investors, uh, I do think companies like Tesla are a good place to be for the long term. Yeah, and, and to your broader point there, Lee, I wonder if most of the gains for the year, of our, wouldn't that be something if, like, the next 11 months, we, we've already seen the highs for the year? We'll see. Lee Baker of Apex Financial. Lee, always appreciate you getting up early. Thanks very much. Have a great day. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We're going to leave you with a little bit of green on your screen. Dow down three days in a row coming into this morning. Futures, they are just a touch higher as well. NASDAQ up a little bit more. A lot of big stories out there. State of the Union tonight. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Squawk Box is next.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.